Uh, wow. What, a, what footsteps to follow. I've known Dr. Sisk for so many years, and I never, ever dreamed I'd be able to share a pulpit with him, but I praise God for that. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what Paul said. That's what we see about these missionaries going to these countries where they're literally risking their lives just to be able to preach the gospel. And we praise God for that. We need to be really ready. Excuse my English and Portuguese mix up here. I'm more Brazilian than American. But we need to be really ready to give up our life if that's what God wants of us. I'd like to ask you, if you would please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You probably say, well, Brother Bill, I don't need to open it there. I know that one by heart. Well, great. So let's uh, go ahead and read it together or just say it by memory together. Romans 8, 28. Here we go. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for this opportunity to be here. Lord, we are so unworthy, and yet we know that who does the work is you. We pray, Lord, that you may work in our hearts, that the words spoken this morning, Lord, may really ring into our hearts, Lord, and uh, the message already given, Lord. I pray that you may now help me, Lord, to be able to be faithful and preaching your word, saying the words you want said this morning. And Lord, that we may be encouraged to serve you and live the life you would have us to live. I pray in Christ's precious name. Amen. You may be seated. What a verse, a verse most of you already know, and something that as you look at it, it's like, yeah, that's good. It's a good promise verse, and you know everything's going to go for the good. Of them who love God. I was thinking last night I was going to use the example of Paul and his sufferings, and Lord changed my direction about that, and Brother Don Sisk has already done that, so that's great. I'd like to share a story about a missionary this morning, uh, and I want you just to kind of think does the Bible really say that all things work together for good? And if it does, then how does that fit in? to some things that you will face in life. How does it really fit in? How can we be ready to understand how all things work together for good? Many years ago, a missionary went to the mission field. When he got there, he had five kids. His smallest kid was nine months old. Spent two years in the big capital learning the language, moved to the interior of the country. And soon after he moved to the interior of the country, his boys were out playing, near the house, near a pile of rocks, and his youngest, three years old, got bit by a poisonous snake. His brothers ran him to dad and said, Dad, Dad, here, here, our little brother got bit by the snake. Dad, you know, what do we do? And dad had, had been an ex-military, so he got him and he tried to suck poison out and, and everything and put him in the old Ruol and four-wheel drive car, had a 45-minute drive over dirt and mud roads to get to the capital of the state where they finally would have medicine. By the time they got there, this little boy was so swollen up that he, you, could, you can see his eyes. He was just this little ball all swollen up from the snake's poison. When he took him to the doctor, the doctor looked at him and said, there's no way this kid's going to survive. And this boy's dad, this missionary said, 
oh, please, give him the shots. And the doctor said, well, we don't know what snake it is. Did you bring the snake? Do you know what snake it is? And the, the boy's dad said, no, I don't. The doctor said, if I give him the wrong antivenom, he's going to die for sure. The missionary said, well, I will pray. And you give him whatever shot you think would be the most common snake antivenom to give him. And the missionary prayed. Why do you have to go through trials like that? This missionary not only went through that trial, but he also went through other trials. Soon afterwards, he was trying to help some natives out, and he went to donate some blood to help someone who was really needing blood, and the infected needles that they used ended up giving him hepatitis C. He almost died. Later on, he went on to go on to several different problems throughout his life. He trained a national pastor, many, but one of the national pastors he trained and put into the ministry and, and you know, thought everything was going fine, and all of a sudden this national pastor started trying to look at one of the young ladies in church and forget about his wife, and the missionary stepped in and said, no, we can't have that, that's not right, let's, let's do things right here, and took him out of office, and this national pastor took this missionary to court, two years of going to court and going to court and going to court. The man lost, and so he decided he would do something to the missionary. He hired some people to kill him. They met the missionary, put a gun to his head, beat him up in the face, but did not kill him. This missionary went on. He went through some trials. He went through some winter times, spiritual winter times. He basically decided, well, we can't do this. We've got to stop. He stopped being a missionary. Came back to the United States. In just a few years, God is hitting his heart saying, I called you to be on the mission field. He went back to the mission board, joined the mission board again, raised support again, went back to the field, now with seven kids. He continued the work God wanted him to do. Not too long after that, at the age of 56, his wife passed away. Trials. Ten months later, his third child died in an airplane accident as he was trying to get prepared to go be a missionary pilot. He got married again. This Robert, this missionary, got married again. And after he got married, went back to the mission field. Two years later, his wife died from a brain aneurysm. He came back to the States, got married again. Many trials, many difficulties. Today, this missionary is 84 years old, and he still preaches the Word of God. He's no longer on the mission field, on the foreign mission field. He's doing missionary work here in the United States. Why do we have to go through trials? This missionary had a saying that he says often. He says, keep on keeping on. What? Go through those trials, go through those difficulties, and you still have to keep on keeping on? But that's the spirit this missionary has. Keep on keeping on. I think that's the same spirit Paul had. That's the same spirit we see in Dr. Sisk. Keep on keeping on. Why do we have trials? 
It's those trials that help keep us strong and focused that it is God's grace that is sufficient. Paul went through his trials. He went through problems. He had some really serious problems. He says he prayed to God three times, God, remove this from me. And God said, no, no, my grace is sufficient. God wants to be sure that we understand that who is doing the work is God. It's not about us. We're just tools in his hands. When you think of this and you think of what you might face in the future, I've been on the mission field for 30 years, and I will not take the time now to share some of the trials that I've gone through. But one of the things that's kept me going is answering some of the basic questions that we usually ask to Bible texts when we're studying the Word of God. Those simple questions like, who, why, what, when, and where. So I'd like to ask you those questions and help you to ask those questions of yourself. First of all, who? Who are you? Tough question, huh? Well, I'm me. Well, who are you? It's been said, and I, I, I can go along with this. You are who you are when no human authority is around. You are who you are when no human authority is around. You're really who you are when you're like with your friends, away from the pastor, away from your parents, away from any human authority. The way you act then is who you really are. So let me just say this. I know this is Christian Bible College, and I know that you guys should all be good Christian people, but I went to Bible College too. When I uh, was younger and I went to Bible College because I said, you know, God has called me. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to Bible College. When I got to Bible College, you go like, huh? I thought everybody here had the same fire and same desire to be serving God and living for God. And I found out that there were some people who wanted me to take, to, wanted to take me a different pathway. So who are you? What kind of conversations do you have with the people you're around? Who are you? You are who you are when no human authority is around. And the reason that's important is because when you are not subject to human authority, you are not subject to God's authority. If you only do what you do because someone is looking at you, you obviously are forgetting that God sees you every moment of every day. And it's the lack of the fear of the Lord that causes you to be the way you are if you're not serving the Lord, if not living for the Lord. There's a story in the Old Testament won't have to take time to go back there. We'll try to be short here. But in Genesis chapter 39, I'm sure you're familiar with the story of Joseph and how Potiphar's wife was seducing him. And at that moment, it was just him and her. And he goes on to explain and says, listen, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I am in charge of everything my master has except for you. You're not mine. I have nothing to do with you. But the way he finishes up in verse 9 is something that I find is very interesting. The end of the verse, he ends up saying, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
not sin against my boss, sin against God. He knew that even if no one else was seeing what was going on, he knew that God was there and he would not do that because of his fear of the Lord. That's when you know who you are. Is when trials come, when temptations come, how do you respond to that? Who are you, really? The second question, why? This is going to be a great question for, for Bible college students. Why are you here? There may be many answers to that. Uh, you know, there's probably answers like, uh, well, I finished high school and I didn't know what to do, so I came to Bible college. Others may say, well, I came to, to, to learn some stuff that I don't know. Others may have that real important answer. Well, I came to find a mate. Amen. It's a good place to find a mate. Amen? Okay. That's kind of weak, but it is a good place to find a mate. Okay. That shouldn't be the purpose. So why did you come? Well, the obvious answer is you came to study. And studying is something good. The Bible talks about studying. 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 15, a very well-known verse. Let's say it together. Study to show thyself. Needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why you came, is to study. So if you're going to study, you need to study the word of God. You need to study to show thyself approved unto God. That one that sees you no matter where you're at, you need to be subject to him at all times understand that no matter what you go through when bills are starting to add up and you're not knowing if you're going to be able to finish school or not trust the lord if he puts you here he has a reason for it so why are you here the next three questions what where and when what what does god want from you Think of that. That's a question you need to ask yourself. You should have been asking yourself since you got saved. God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? Well, the first thing God wants from anybody is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He wants you to be saved. You're like, Brother Doolittle, you're all messed up. We're in a Bible college. Everybody's saved at a Bible college. Let me tell you this. I have heard several stories of pastors in the ministry that grew up as pastors' kids, raised in church, leading young people's groups, leading singing, becoming pastors, and after they're pastors for several years, end up truly getting saved. One of them got saved when that missionary that I was telling you about in the first story, when he came back on a furlough and was preaching at a church, a pastor came to him after church and said, Missionary, I never truly gave my life over to the Lord. I just knew what to do because I grew up in the middle of that. Be careful to make sure you truly understand the salvation that Christ has offered you and you truly believe in him because if you don't, nothing else matters. So that's the first thing God wants from you. But what else does God want from you? Well, um, God wants you to Go. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We don't have to turn there. It's a very well-known verse. Uh, I can't say it by memory. I'm sorry. My memory verses are all in Portuguese. But uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 
15, uh, it talks about, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every person needs to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be aware that that is what God wants us to do, is to go and preach. So the what? Go and preach. That's very simple. And Matthew talks about how you should go, you should preach, you should make disciples, they need to get baptized, they need to be taught to go on and do the same thing. Go and preach, win souls. Now you say, well, but, you know, I'm supposed to preach, I'm supposed to witness, I'm supposed to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but where? Am I supposed to go to China or Thailand or Brazil or, or you're staying here? I say, where? Well, X, um, well, he says right there in Mark that it's to all the world, so that's kind of easy. But where more specifically? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, another well-known verse. Jesus Christ talked to his disciples, says that once you've received the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Now, let me just point out something here. The starting point there was Jerusalem. Let me tell you something. I'm not that old of a missionary, but one thing that I've seen over and over again, people want to become missionaries, want to become pastors, who have never won a soul to Christ in their own hometown. If you are not winning souls for Christ and witnessing for Christ here in your Jerusalem, which right now is Lancaster, you will not do it anywhere else. Don't, don't make yourself think you're going to be a great missionary if you're not winning souls for Christ right here. And it's your job, even if you're not going to be a pastor or missionary, it's our job as Christians to witness, to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. So where? Well, start right here, or you won't do it anywhere else. When? Well, according to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, after you have received the Holy Ghost. Amen? That means once you are saved, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You are now a truly saved person because he's the one who seals us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that he is upon you, you should be a witness. But I was saved when I was 10. Great. You should have been a witness ever since you were 10. Be a witness. Tell the world about Jesus Christ. Tell those around you about his saving grace. So, who are you? Why are you here? What does God want from you? Where should you serve? What, when shall you start? In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, it talks about that whatsoever comes to our hands, comes to your hands to do, you should do it with all your might. Because it says, hey, in the grave where you're going, there is no more work. You have to do it while you are in life. Let's serve God while we are in life. I'm going to say something about life. This is kind of interesting. You have more life and vigor at your age than I do at my age. 
Now, I hope that when I get, if I ever get to be the age of Dr. Sisk, that I still have as much vigor in life as he has. Wow, that's, that's amazing. God's good. So do it now. Do it all your life. Do it while you have more life in you. Serve God. Do it. I started out talking about this missionary who had his son that was bit by a snake. I didn't tell you what happened to that little baby boy. That little baby boy did not die from that snake bite, although the doctor thought he would not survive. That particular snake, a jararaca snake, that are very predominant in Brazil, are known to kill, especially a child that small, would have been dead, or at least would have been blinded from the poison which affects the sight, or would have had a serious problem in his leg or wherever he was bit and possibly lost the limb. That little boy has no effects left of that snake. At the age of 10, that boy understood salvation as his father preached a message about the realities of hell. And he gave his life over to Jesus Christ. And he said, God, now that I'm saved, now that I'm not just a missionary kid that, that grew up in church and everything, now that I'm saved, God, what do you want me to do? At the age of 13, that boy was reading a book about some missionaries who were killed way over on the other side of the world as they were serving the Lord. That boy, a 13-year-old, dropped to his knees and started crying, saying, God, no! No, God! We need more missionaries, not less! God, send forth laborers! And at that moment was when that little boy, that young man, understood God's call for him and what God wanted for him. That little boy went on to go to Bible college. At the age of 22, he went back to the mission field, a single missionary. Let me be honest. That little boy was me. At the age of 22, when I went to go back to Brazil as a missionary, I was trying to raise support, and people would go to me like, uh, you only look like you're 17, kid. You serious? You're going to be a missionary? But I knew from the age of 13 what God had for my life. I went back to the mission field in 1990, serving the Lord as an assistant pastor, helping the, mission, the pastor that was in the national church, took over camp ministries, been camp director for 30 years. I have gone through trials. God blessed me in 1993, gave me my wonderful wife. We thought the meeting was going to be out in the tent. My wife suffers from some sinus problems. I did not want her to go through that. I wish I knew it was going to be in here. We would have had her here too, but... What great things God has done for us. What great sacrifices have gone through. But we count it all joy to be able to serve the Lord. It's not about us or what happens to us. Uh, uh, I could share with you what happened coming from Tennessee over to here. It's just like, God, do you really want us to make it? But listen, God has his will for our lives. Are you really ready to let him act in your life and let him do with your life what he wants, not what you want? There is nothing better than to know you are in the center of the will of God doing what he wants you to do. That way when trials come, 
and the boat starts rocking and shaking, the waves are coming in, you don't despair. You trust your Lord who is in your boat to calm the winds, to help you make it through, and keep you going. So if I may challenge you, a little bit of what happened to my father, Robert Doolittle. Dr. Sisk knows the story as well. He's accompanied us through all those trials. There's many more. I don't want to tell you that, hey, you're going to have to face trials. It's so bad. No, it's so good to know how God will take you through those situations. It is so good to know that I don't have to worry about it. God will take care of me no matter what comes. I'd love to challenge you to say, hey, you all come down and be missionaries in Brazil. There's great needs. But there are great needs right here in the United States. As governments and people are trying to take the United States down the wrong path, you need to start here. And if God directs you to some other field, amen. If you come down to Brazil, look us up. But serve the Lord. Know who you are, why you are here. Understand what God wants you to do, where and when you should work.